Hello, listeners. Rick Voiles here. Diane and I really appreciate you listening to our podcast. We enjoy creating these episodes in the hopes that it will help you deal with that impossible co-parent, and in so doing, give a little more peace to you and your children. Well, August is here, and Diane and I are going to take a little bit of a break as we set up for Season 4, where we'll be talking about alienation. In the meantime, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to rebroadcast some of our more popular episodes. We'll be back soon with Season 4. When it gets to feel alienating is when you feel like the kids really do have to create a bad situation at the other parents. Not just that they don't want to report the good, but they have to be actively creating a bad situation so they can actually report something bad. Yes. So there's a little bit of a different distinction there. So don't always assume that your teenager is in cahoots with the other parent in some of these behaviors. Sometimes they need to be rescued from it and they need to blame you for rescuing them. Are you frustrated with your co-parent? Do you sometimes find yourself hoping that you and your co-parent will one day get along better than you even did in your marriage? Or more secretly, wish your co-parent would meet with an untimely or maybe painful demise. (laughs) It's okay, we understand. But I'm afraid that neither of those fantasies are helping you move on with your life. We think this podcast will help you learn how to put those fantasies in the past. In each episode, we address difficult dilemmas that many co-parents face and will help you decide should you hold on to the conflict for the sake of the kids or let it go for the same reason. These issues are often complicated, but the solutions can be easier than you think. So get ready for this unconventional ride. You might be surprised it could change your life. Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas, where we give you practical solutions to those impossible co-parents. I'm Diane Dirks. I'm Rick Voyles. Hi, Diane. Hi. What's happening? Well, I'm excited about our next topic, actually. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I enjoy doing these things. It's always fun. So before we get into today's episode, you and I were talking about who we would like to hear from in 2022. And there are a couple of groups of people that I would love to get comments, feedback, questions from. One of those are attorneys who work with high conflict co-parents. We always ask parents to give us their dilemma questions. I want to appeal to all of you family law professionals out there who I appreciate all the hard work that you do to help them through these difficult times. What is your frustration What dilemmas do you see that you wish you had easy answers for? And also another group of people are teachers, medical professionals. Right. These are people that are on the outside, but have to deal with the divorce family, especially those high conflict couples. I know when they come into your office and they're sitting in the waiting room and you're worried about the drama that might ensue. Rick, you and I have both had clients where they've told us the doctor has said, don't come back here anymore. Right. They won't see him (laughs) again. You're ruining the peace in my office. Or these poor teachers that have to deal with co-parents who demand separate 
parent-teacher conferences and one parent's telling you the kids are failing because the other parent won't do the homework with them and are asking you to please tell the other parent this or that. And they're wanting written reports from you. And what I hear usually from teachers and medical professionals is it's time consuming to have to cater to all of these needs of these parents in high conflict. So we would love to get your feedback. If you're listening, please drop us an email at 1234dilemma at gmail.com. Well, this one, we're going to tiptoe, put our toe in the water of alienation. Oh, that's but deep not, waters. <laughs> yes, but not expound completely. I think we'll save that for another episode. Oh, we have plenty of episodes. Into it. Yes, yeah. we do. But we got a message from David. He doesn't say where he's from. And he says, we've been divorced for five years and I see my kids every other weekend. It is clear to me that their mom is alienating them. And he gives lots of different reasons why he thinks they're being alienated. But one of the ones that I thought was interesting, he says, they'll often catch themselves having a good time at my house. And then they pull back because they're not allowed. Uh, We've heard that before, right? Yes. Yes. His question to us is, should I try to get more time because it's clear they're being alienated or will that just make them hate me more? So we don't know how old the kids are. He's been divorced for five years. So it's been long enough. And it is interesting that he said they'll find themselves having a good time. And then they pull back like, oops, not allowed to have fun at dad's. I'm going to be in trouble if I have fun, (laughs) if I enjoy dad. Because I need to be able to go back and report. And what I love about those stories is it means that kids don't want to lie. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they've say been more. Taught, they've been taught, to be honest. Uh-huh. They've been taught not to lie. So they'll almost create a bad time at the other parents so they can realistically and honestly report back to the other parent. When the other parent says, did you have a good time at your dad's? No. No. And this is what happened. They don't give you all the information about how they created that chaos. Right. right. So I always feel bad for these parents who are dealing with kids that can't be themselves. And my advice always to them is make sure you're able to say to them at some level, if they're old enough, Hey, you know, you can be you over here. I want you to be you. I'm still going to be a parent. I'm still going to have boundaries because oftentimes kids will use those parenting boundaries as a way to report. Yes. They'll exaggerate. Dad made me do my homework for five straight hours when really it was 20 minutes, right? Or at all. Yeah. Or I hated being there because he made me rake leaves for Uh three straight days in a row. I lost 10 pounds. And you're thinking, yeah, right. Because kids exaggerate. So even when you try to be a normal parent, kids who are being alienated will pick up on anything they can find to report back to the other parent. So rather than getting into all of the definitions of parental alienation and all that, I think it's just a common complaint that I feel like the kids are being told at the other house, either being told directly, they don't want them to have a good time, but most of the time it's subtle. Kids pick up on when I go back home and I say I had a great time at dad's, they see the sadness in their parents' face. Mm, yes. Oh, you like you didn't miss me enough. You were uh-huh. having too good of a time over there. That's probably more common, a more common alienating behavior than what we think of when we think of parental alienation, right? Kids pick up on body language. 
And so when they get back to the other parent's house, it's really is important if you are the parent receiving the kids from the other parent, when they sound joyful, that you're able to hold it together. Yeah. Dad and his new girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Academy (laughs) Academy Award performances we've talked about before. Dad and his new girlfriend took us to the most expensive restaurant in town and we got lobster and steak and it was amazing. Uh You want to be able to say, that's awesome. Not have that look of pain and anguish or jealousy on your face because the minute they see that, then they're going to shut down and realize. Ugh. So that's pretty common and normal. When it gets to feel alienating is when you feel like the kids really do have to create a bad situation at the other parents. Not just that they don't want to report the good, but they have to be actively creating a bad situation so they can actually report something bad. Yes. So there's a little bit of a different distinction there. So The question is from David, should I go for more time? And we can't give you that advice. That's a legal question. That's a question for your attorneys. What we can do is tell you risks and benefits of that or what might be realistic. So if a parent is truly alienating in the truest sense of the word, that they are actively trying to influence negatively the relationship between you and your children they're probably personality disordered. Most normal people that have empathy or people that really want to see this from their child's point of view, even though they might not like a lot of things going on, they're going to promote a relationship between their child and the other parent, unless it's unsafe, of course. Right. Just because we all know that it's not the kid's fault and the kids deserve to be happy when they're with the other parent, whether you like them or not. So that's the normal response that at least like you said, you put on the Academy Award performance yes, and promote that because your kids need you to. So if somebody's doing something else other than that, I would call foul and say, okay, there's something going on with that parent internally. They're either disordered or they're so emotionally compromised, they can't see outside of themselves to really do the right thing emotionally for their kids. And what have we said all all along, if you have a personality disordered parent, what can you do to control that? Nothing. It it can't be helped. So my concern for David in this scenario is if I go, let's say he's got him every other weekend and let's say he goes back and he achieves 50-50 custody, does that change mom? No, and it could make things worse for the children. How so? How might it? Well, so in a personality disordered context, like you said, they have to create this scenario in order to be safe. They have to find ways to literally make, in this case, mom content, happy. If not, their lives are miserable over there. So they literally have to create the reality that mom has to have in order for mom to be, I'm using air quotes here that you can't see, stable. (laughs) Yeah. So if they do 50-50, mom's going to be destabilized and that's going to be harder on the kids. So yeah, if mom gets extra angry, (laughs) that means the kids have to do extra work. So one of the risks, and we're not saying it is a risk in your case, David, or not, because we don't know all the circumstances, and that's something for you and your attorney to talk about, that one of the risks that we have seen in our experience is that if you make the other parent angrier, the kids have to pay dearly for that extra anger. Yes. (laughs) So it might not be productive. 
in cases where the alienation is extreme and severe, that includes kidnapping or other unseemly things, the court typically with that will make extreme remedies, change custody completely and ask that the alienating parent get intensive therapy or whatever. But that's pretty rare. Yeah. That those circumstances, believe it or not, even though a lot of people cry out parental alienation, it's becoming a overused phrase, I think, in the court systems, because yes. every alienation behavior is seen as extreme Yes, when it's not. So the waters are kind of getting a little bit cloudy around alienation, unfortunately. So we're talking to the vast majority of people who are dealing with personality disordered co-parents who do these things to children on a part-time, full-time basis, maybe, even if David got most of the primary custody and mom got weekends, that doesn't stop her from alienating the children when they're with her. Exactly. But the answer also is not to take away mom's parental rights. Either. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> so here's, here's so the it's dilemma. Complicated. It's very uh, complicated. Yes. And here's mm-hmm. the dilemma that we've set up. I think most alienated parents will feel this. It's a personality disorder. The children have to behave a certain way in order to survive in that context. I mean, go back to the narcissist episode that we did. Thank God you got out but the children can't. And so right. bottom, David, here's what we're telling you. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> if you try and do something, you could make it worse. Well, yeah. Legal remedies are not always the oh, answer. They right. can be in extreme situations, but most of the situations are not extreme. So it's not about the legal remedy. It's about how you respond to your children. There it is. Yes. You feel incredibly powerless because to change it in any way, could cause more problems. So now that now that you know that this is almost a hopeless situation, we have some hope for you yes. because there are some things that you can do outside of that remedy, uh, outside right. of a legal course. Yes. So we don't know how old your children are, but let's put them 6, 10, and 14. We'll just take one from each age group. When they show those signs of, oops, I'm having fun, Or I've heard situations where the teenager comes over and goes straight to her bedroom Mm -hmm. because if I stay out of my bedroom, I might have fun. Yep. And I want to go home and report to my mom or dad that I hated it over there. All I did was stay in my bedroom. Yep. Perfect scenario. (laughs) Because there was nothing fun going on. (laughs) And the six-year-old accidentally has fun until the 10-year-old tells him to stop. Correct. (laughs) Yes. And then the 10-year-old is really in a difficult position because when he's with the parent not alienating, he really does want to have fun and he's struggling. So all I can say to that parent is when you see that happening, walk into your 14-year-old daughter's room and say, I I understand you want to stay in your room because it might be dangerous to have fun with me. (laughs) I get it. Mm -hmm. Just want you to know that I love you and I want you to have fun. And I'm sorry that you feel stuck in the middle. And she's going to She's going to say, that's not what it is. Right. (laughs) She's going to deny, 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 but that's okay. She doesn't have to agree with you for her to hear the words. And you don't have to be very specific. I don't want you to say, I know what's going on here. I know you have to go home and report to your mom that you stayed in your room all weekend. So that's why you're doing that will feel accusatory. It needs to be subtle. And I love you. I can't imagine how hard it is to be stuck in the middle between your mom and I around all this, but when you're ready to come out and have fun, please do so. And I'll be here. 
and you just let them stew on that for a little while. When multiple times, old, multiple yes, times. You yeah. want to say that as often as, well, and I mean, not, not every single day, but you want to yeah. be able to repeat that message, maybe said in different ways. And you are the perfect person to understand how hard yes. it is yeah. because that's probably why you got out. And the problem that will happen with that 14 year old, if you allow her to have her phone the whole time she's in the room, she'll be texting mom. Mm-hmm. I hate it here. Planning. I hate it here. Come <laughs> yes. get me, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, you're going to have to figure out what the phone rules are about a teenager holed up in her room with only a phone. Cause there are some implications of that as well. That would be unhealthy, not about texting with her mom, but about texting with everybody else in the world and what she's getting into eight hours a day is hold up in her room. So you might have to be the bad guy and say, I'm going to put some limits on the phone use while you're here because I'm the parent and I'm allowed to do that. And if she wants to call her mom, you say, here, you can have the phone to call your mom. You got 10 minutes <laughs> and give me the phone back. Even that's complicated because. Yeah, because she's going to turn that into a story. Dad wouldn't let yeah, me have my phone. So. Exactly. But you have to do some of this with confidence. It might be that the teenager needs you to set that boundary so she can blame dad for why I can't talk to mom. And that Precisely. saves her from having to talk to mom. Yes. Right. Yes. So don't be afraid to save your child from the other parent by setting a rule and then getting hated for it. Yeah. Right. I remember years ago when my son was a teenager, there was a party his friends wanted him to go to, and he didn't really want to go to it. And he was trying to tell me, Mom, can I go? But kind of winking at me in front right. of his friends, yes. please tell me I can't go. You know, yes. <laughs> and I remember saying, No, 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 you can't go. We have plans. And he was like, and he turned around and shrugged his shoulders with his friends and said, Sorry, uh-huh. mom said no. And I allowed him to make me the bad guy. Yes. Yeah. I've had that experience too. Yeah. One of those things, can I go and say, okay, hold on. Do you want me to say no? (laughs) Yes. So don't always assume that your teenager is in cahoots with the other parent in some of these behaviors. Sometimes they need to be rescued from it and they need to blame you for rescuing them. And that 14 year old (laughs) needs boundaries. So yeah, you need to be a parent, even though, I mean, you're going to get blamed, but even if the other parent was healthy, you'd still get, they'd still be bad. Especially in this climate with COVID and and social media and all that's going on with our depressed teenagers. I think there's a lot to be said for setting boundaries for the sake of your teenager to say, no, you don't need to be on a device for all those minutes, hours, whatever. In fact, and I'll digress a little bit. I heard a podcast recently where the person talking about social media and kids said 50 years ago, we had TV and radio, right? Yeah. And that gave us a world perspective. We were gaining perspective from the world Yes, in ways that we never could before because we were seeing things or hearing things from a world perspective. He said, nowadays with social media, you are having to present yourself to the world, meaning that it's not a true self, that they're filtered photos. You're putting out things to the world about your life that maybe aren't exactly true. So instead of just gaining a presentation from the world, we are now presenting ourselves to the world. And think about that. You and I, Rick, when we were teenagers, we didn't have that mechanism to do that. No. Other than one-on-one contact, right? That's yep. how we presented ourselves. These teenagers are allowed now to present themselves to the world. And I mean, literally the world, <laughs> not just 
to their schoolmates or their friends or their neighbors, but to the world. And that probably has a lot to do with identity crisis. I, I would think so. Yeah. And our children. So um, didn't mean to digress with that, but don't be afraid to say to your teenager, I'm going to protect you Limits. from having to put out a false presentation of yourself mm-hmm. because that is going to affect how you feel about yourself eternally. Because yeah, the no, pressure. No, of- no one can be as perfect as you present yourself. To no, be it's eternally. the pressure of being on all right. the time. Right. Mm. So back to David and this question about, should I try to go for more time? My gut feeling is that probably won't make the situation better, but what will make it better is for you to be the safe, stable parent that they can be themselves with you. And that means limiting that self-presentation through social media. Yes. And, and actually then, Ooh, I like that image. The other side of that coin is to create space for them to present themselves to you who they are and ask questions and create. I mean, it's always difficult to create lines of communication with any teenager, Mm -hmm. but if you get to the point where they are sharing with you good things, bad things, and you have this ongoing conversation and you represent that emotional safety net for them, then they will keep coming back. Even if you do that on a weekend. Oh yeah. And you know, I've had, Plenty of kids sitting on my couch saying, oh, I can't wait to see my dad this weekend or my mom this weekend, whoever their non-custodial is. And we talk some more about it. And I ask, would you rather live there? Oh, no, 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 no. Gosh, if I did that, my mom would freak out. Yep. Yep. There it is. <laughs> they, they know. <laughs> they know the game. Yes. And so, no, I just know that dad's on this weekend. I can let my hair down and just be me. And that doesn't necessarily mean I can do everything I want because dad is just the fun time dad. That's not what they're talking about. Emotionally, I'm allowed to be a kid. Yes. There where during the week with mom or with my custodial parent, I have to take care of her. And that's exhausting. Yeah. And that's what we're describing here. I think that for David, that the good news is the things that you, your children need from you are well, typically kind of normal parenting things to be the emotional safety net, to support them, to hear them, to give them mm-hmm. their voice. So they have a place to go to think that you're going to be able to counter what mom's putting in their heads is going in the wrong direction yeah. or defend yourself against it. Yes. Yeah. No so amount his- of time is going to change that. And on the other hand, no limit of time is going to stop you from being that predictable, dependable, consistent parent that they can lean into. And here's what I like about this situation that David presents. He still sees his kids every other weekend. So even if mom is attempting alienation, it's not completely working. Yes. Because alienation and its completion is when the child says, I don't want to see you anymore. Mm -hmm. And they proceed to not and you become estranged. And so I'm glad, David, that you're not there yet. You could get there, however, if you continue to make mom hate you more. You know, his question was, right. make my kids hate me more. If you do things to make mom hate you more, then it may get to that point where the kids have such a hard time dealing with her emotions that the only way out that they see 
is just to stop seeing you, yes. um, which would be a tragedy. So I like the fact that they still are seeing you, even mm-hmm. though you can see these games being played, you have a, a grand opportunity while they're still seeing you to put this in perspective for them, to love them no matter what, understand what they have to do for this to work for them. And eventually the older they get, the more you can say, I, I get it. I know what's happening. And I'm sorry. Sorry that you have to respond this way in order for you to survive. Yes. But I'm with you. Yes. No matter what happens, you and I are okay. I've said that a hundred times, right? In yes. other episodes, but so powerful for you to say to your child, no matter what happens, you and I are okay. And you proceed to be a parent. Yes. Right. <laughs> Correct. So yes. it, in, in a situation that many, many times, almost inevitably, that alienating parent feels helpless and powerless to the yes. other parent. Yes. But the message of hope we're giving, I think, David, is that you're not powerless to be the parent your child needs. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, we will unpack parental alienation maybe in another episode because I know that's a hot topic. Yes. It's just, it's a lot. A lot. Kind of like like narcissism. We'll keep revisiting that topic, obviously, because it's a lot. And there are so many different and various unique situations around parental alienation that you can't just lump them all together No, and address it in a 20-minute episode. So we'll continue to revisit that issue, I'm sure, in the future. Coming soon to a podcast <laughs> near you. <Yeah. laughs> More about parental alienation, yes, and narcissism. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. Good being with you, Rick. Yes. And uh, we will see you all next week. See you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. We hope this episode was helpful to you. If you'd like to share your dilemma or tell us how something we said has benefited your situation, please call 1-234-DILEMMA. That's 234-362-3445 or email 1234dilemma at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Co-Parent Dilemmas wherever you get your podcasts and give us a favorable rating. That will make us more accessible to co-parents who are searching for help. Thank you for being part of our non-impossible family.